For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, presented by Texas Electricity Ratings. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined this morning by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, and a lot to talk about today, guys. But before we get into all that, first, tell us where you're checking in from. Number one, we'd love to see that. Prinsville, Texas. <laughs> and then let, let's start with basketball. We, yesterday, Jerry, you called it a must-win for the Longhorns, and, well, they won. It wasn't always pretty, but they did pull it out. No, what's crazy about this Texas team is they haven't obviously they haven't played as well at home as they have on the road. But it, it, some people that are maybe casual basketball fans may not realize Texas is the seventh, and I'd wrote, written about this way before the season, seventeenth best three point shooting team in college basketball, and that would shock some people that know that they shoot thirty seven seven as a team. And I kind of said that thirty seven to thirty eight percent would be kind of what they would be expected to do as a team. 37-7 on the season, top 20 in the country. Last night, wasn't one of their best shooting games. Neither was it for K-State. K-State, big drop-off from year one under Jerome Tang to year two. Obviously, they had to dismiss a, a, a guy that would have been a 10-7 and seven type of guy and a rim protector. Uh, that hurt them. But it, at any rate, must-win game for Texas basketball. They got it done. They're now 6-7 and seven in the conference. They have to win their two home games remaining. Uh, that is Oklahoma State, who's not very good, but did beat BYU Saturday, the worst Oklahoma State team in a while, record-wise. Um, and then they have to beat Oklahoma, uh, who is that would be a quad two, borderline quad one win, probably quad two when they play them, though. Um, but that's the that's what's in front of Texas. That would get them to eight and ten if they drop the three road games at Kansas coming up um, at Texas Tech and at Baylor. So if they get to eight and ten. Pretty good chance they get in the tournament this year at eight and ten because I think their strength of schedule that last half of the conference schedule's just been brutal uh, for Texas. But uh, it, that was a good win considering they didn't throw it in the ocean from three, which they normally have to shoot the ball a decent level, net 34 percent range unless they have a hot game. But uh, that that hey look that was a must win game. Um, you know they're fighting and clawing to get in the uh, tournament. Here was the difference. If you watch the Houston and watch Kansas State, what I talked about with Houston was they one of the best defensive coaches ever in college basketball, one of the best defensive teams in college basketball. Uh, they'll drop, they won't win the national title unless they get the perfect draw at Houston because they'll they won't be able to score enough in the game that counts, which always happens to them. But they could hard hedge Ace Miss out the 30 feet. And then they were good enough athletes and well enough coached defensively off the weak side to rotate quickly. But they U of H forced Disu to catch the ball at 26 feet. And that negates putting it on the floor once and getting inside eight feet. Kansas State didn't have that capability. And you saw more slips, easy buckets for Shedrick. You saw some things against K-State that were not possible encounters against, against Houston. So uh, that's the difference in defensive team you played. 
Uh, but a win, they had to win it. It was a must-win game, uh, and they got it done, and they keep their NCAA tournament hopes alive. So who besides Oklahoma State do they need to beat down the stretch here, Jerry? I mean, Oklahoma State and, and, um, and Oklahoma State and Oklahoma at home. That gets them the eight and ten. So we'll, we'll see. Hey, back it also, it also, it also, wins, right? Do I? It also, it also gets them to eighteen wins. Not yeah, it would, be not, it would be nineteen if they win the last two. Yeah, and so if you if you can get one in the Big Twelve tournament, if then you uh, uh, you can get the twenty. Uh, Daddy Trill said, "Not true. U of H can definitely win." I said, "Unless they get the perfect matchup." U of H has the same problem they've had for the whole decade under Kelvin Sampson. I'm just telling you here, if talent becomes neutralized and somebody scores 75-plus points against your very good defense, which a UConn or somebody would, Houston has never been able to get over the hump to score 80 in those games. There's a reason Baylor blew their butt out in a Final Four game. If you remember, go back and watch it. If you didn't watch it, U of H needs matchups not against really good offensive teams because the really good offensive teams late in the tournament are still going to score 75 on your good defense. And Houston has just never been able to get over that hump offensively. I'm liking I'm liking uh, how some people here are, are talking in the chat a little bit. Jelani McDonald, Texas. So that's, that's Waco, Texas. That's new code here on coffee and football. Uh, by the way, I'm drinking something called Red Dirt Coffee this morning from uh, East Texas. Uh, guy sent it to me and uh, really enjoying it, by the way. So uh, thanks for doing that. Jerry, I, I, I want to get into a little bit more on basketball because we were talking prior to, to getting going here today. You said Kendall Weaver uh, has been just a, a tr tremendous addition for Texas and one of those guys that has been probably uh, the, the addition of him has been very, very meaningful beyond maybe what we thought it would when he first came in. Yeah, you know, look, I, I was high on Kendall Weaver coming out of high school just because he played so hard, um, and you could tell his upside. When you're blessed with that much athleticism, you have that type of motor, and you're accepting and initiating physical play, uh, there is there is definitely a, a chance for you to develop. Um, and, and his thing is he's still got to get guard ball skills, really learn how to play in a ball screen game, be able to attack some things as his career moves along. His shot, he'll make more threes. Uh, in time. Um, but uh, what he brings from an energy perspective, physicality perspective, 50-50 uh, balls, he is doing so many impact winning things without filling a box score with points. If you just look at a box score, it's not an, a full understanding of what he's he brings. Uh, his ability to guard the best guard of the opponent at times, take some pressure off Acemas and Hunter as well. Um, look, Ideally, when the season started, you wanted IT Horton to have a really good year um, and bring Weaver off the bench with that energy. That hasn't happened. Um, so Weaver inserted into that starting lineup for defensive purposes has uh, is, is been a big difference. Because when Texas was playing the big lineup, they didn't have a chance. That was not going to work in the Big 12. They would have had a rough season. So when they went back to the three-guard lineup and got DSU healthy, that's given them a chance this year. Uh, if, if if they shoot it well enough and make enough free throws here, if they can catch somebody on an off night on the road, maybe they can steal one. Uh, Houston is the worst matchup they have. Yeah, move oh, on. Oh, we, somebody's asking about the cheap shot on Weaver last night. You know, it's interesting. Like, did the guy, was he trying to, it, it wasn't a good basketball play. 
It looked like he clotheslined him, Jerry. It wasn't a good basketball play, uh, for sure. It was the guy trying to intentionally take down Weaver? I'm not I'm not sure on that. I mean, you'd have to get inside the head of the kid, uh, but it wasn't a good basketball play. And the bad thing about plays like that is, is guys can get hurt. Yep. Yeah. He clotheslined him. You know, in, in football, that'd be called clothesline. Yeah. It, while he's going up in the air. I mean – I get, I get what you're saying, though. I don't think it was a game that was like that. If no, that makes sense. It, no, so it, it would have been, it was out of character for the game itself, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. I guess we're gonna move on over uh, to recruiting. Actually, Jerry, I know you had a a note this morning about a uh, Texas visitor. Can you tell everybody the latest on that? Yeah, I caught up with Major Preston, the, uh, I believe, four-star defensive back out of Hopewell, Virginia, who's now at IMG Academy. Uh, we had, On Texas Football broke the news that he was going to visit April 13th a while back. I caught up with Major yesterday um, and kind of talked to him about how the Texas interest and offer came about. And that interview is on OnTexasFootball.com. But the gist of it is this. Tory Becton was a teammate of one of his family members. Okay, so that kind of got the ball rolling for Texas. Blake Gideon, he, he dabbles. They dabble in the DMV a little bit. He went to the DMV and, and to go see, obviously, good counsel, Fahim Delane, who's also visiting April 14th weekend, the four-star at good counsel there. They haven't had any players at all. Just go to the wiki page. Uh, they've had a lot. That's one of the schools that I've been to in the DMV before with Under Armour game uh, in the ESPN. But so Gideon was in the DMV. I think he also went by Gonzaga to see Kaona Winston, the other 25 safety that's good over there, um, and connected with uh, Preston's family a little bit, made a call to get the ball rolling. Then Gideon comes to IMG, uh, uh, shortly after that and, and offers Preston on January 30th. Uh, Preston's 6'1", 185 pounds. He's never been to Austin. Him, His mother, father, and and himself, maybe a sibling, will be in Austin April 13th weekend. He's never been to Austin. He watched Texas a couple of times. Obviously, he was impressed. But where he's gotten some good feedback on Texas, as you can imagine, he played next to Jordan Johnson Rubel at the defensive back. Uh, at defensive back at IMG last year. And and Jordan, he told me Jordan Johnson Rebels told him, yep, I'm, I'm having a great time. I made the right decision uh, to come to Texas. It was the right decision. Oh, and by the way, the workouts are really tough. So, <laughs> um, but that's the connect. That's some of those funny connections in recruiting, right? So a family member was a teammate of Tory Becton at some point. That, that I guess they talked, that got the ball rolling for Texas. Um, the interesting thing with Major Preston is, Within a th a week period of time, Oklahoma, Texas, and Texas A&M all offered him. He's going to visit Oklahoma March 9th. That's a big visit weekend for Oklahoma. LSU also has a big visit weekend March 9th uh, when you're looking at some of these future visits. But Oklahoma's all in. Michigan offered in January. Florida offered the day after Christmas. Um, Colorado offered February 1st. And I say all those teams because those are the schools that I think are really going to be in it for him. But then Virginia Tech, he has a late June official visit scheduled. He is obviously from Hopewell, Virginia. The Hokies will be in it until the end. Uh, the Hokies will try to fight off Texas, Oklahoma, Michigan, Colorado. Right now, and Florida. Okay, well, Bobby, before we move on, why don't you tell folks out there about Texas electricity ratings? Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate that, Blake. Uh, 
Guys, for those of y'all still living in Texas and in the major cities with deregulated electricity like Dallas and Houston, you understand that deregulated electricity market can be confusing. Texas Electricity Ratings is a shopping web website that lets you compare prices, read customer reviews, and find a good electricity package that fits your needs. It also filters out a lot of the gimmicky plans on websites like Power to Choose that try to trick customers into expensive bills. So if you're in the market for a new electricity plan, shop TexasElectricityRatings.com slash OTF for all your electricity needs. Uh, that's TexasElectricityRatings.com forward slash OTF. Hey, Blake, I wanted to talk a little bit uh, uh, about two other things that I brought up uh, that were on the website today, uh, this morning. One, I wanted to talk about expectations for success in 2024. Um, what what are those and what are fair expectations? Uh, one of our, uh, one of the folks uh, in the chat started this uh, uh, conversation on our message board and I pinned the topic this morning. So I'd want to get uh, people's uh, comments there if at all possible, just to try to create what I think is a more of a, a consensus. You know, Jerry and, and Blake, I, I think that what Texas can expect is kind of the early days of Matt Brown, where that nine wins was the minimum, if that makes sense. And then it, it elevated from there to 10, 11, et cetera. Do y'all think the minimum is, is different than that now? Because I, I'm getting the sense that most people think it's 10, it's 10 plus, even uh, though yeah. the Longhorns are moving in to the SEC. I say unless your coach has been Nick Saban the last 15 years in college football, 10, you start at 10. Alabama fans started at 12, right, or 11 or 12. <laughs> yeah. Maybe your Georgia fans do now. Um, I, I think Ohio State did with Urban Meyer, Ryan Day. They're just hoping to hold on for 11. Uh, but uh, – with Texas, I'm starting it at 10, but I think it's season to season. When Texas' schedule first came out, Michigan had Jim Harbaugh, right? At Florida, you thought, okay, maybe Billy Napier starts to turn the corner in year two. That, that schedule now looks like – so I would have started at nine and three and said, okay, you win at Michigan, you go to 10 possibly, right? First year in the SEC – does Quinn go pro? Do you have a first-year starting quarterback, even if his name's Arch Manning, right? So Quinn's back. Portal's gone very well. Third straight top five class, playoff appearance. Things are rolling in Austin. But when you look at the schedule, Bobby and Blake, it's not as daunting as it was when it was first released. Michigan loses Harbaugh, the entire defensive staff, 18 guys to the combine. Um, who knows if all the guys will stay this spring after spring practice at Michigan. They could suffer other losses. You just don't know. It's just kind of an unknown going into the spring there. And then Florida, with the hardest schedule of all time in college football, by the time they get to Austin, I mean, who knows what that, that's going to look like uh, in November for them. Uh, but, you know, they, they've just struggled. Napier struggled, and then that schedule beats you up. Uh, but, you know, you just look at it and that Texas schedule, I'm starting it at 10 and two, Bobby. I, I, that's where I'm starting. I, I think Texas, I think if Texas gets one defensive lineman, that's an experienced adult, good player in the room after the spring, if they get one, um, I, I think they're going to be a better football team in 2024 than they were in 2023. That doesn't mean they're going to have the same results, but I think they're going to be a better team. I'm setting it at 10 and two and we'll go from there. 
I'm I'm with you on that. And I actually tweeted this out last week. This is the projected win totals for all of Texas major opponents next season. There's only one team with over 10 on there in Georgia, of course, which we all expect to be the, you know, theoretically the toughest game on paper. Uh, but I mean, Michigan nine and a half. And then after that, your next hardest one, according to the win projections, is AM at eight and a half. And then from there, it really starts falling off. And I mean, you got a, quite a few in the fives, sixes, even the fours. And then, of course, Vandy at two and a half, poor Vanderbilt. Um, but the schedule just sets up so well for Texas next it year does. that they, they I, I, I think anything left in 10 is a disappointment. They better they better take advantage of it. But I look, I, I'm not into this disappointment thing with Texas and, and what they do next year. Right? Disappointment's a hard word for me. Not meeting expectations, okay. But look, I, I've suffered through in the last 10 years, 15 years, I've got PTSD a little bit. And I'm not making light of that term. But, uh, you know, I saw Texas teams that could have won eight or nine games win six or five. Uh, for that. So I'm not, I'm not as ready as some of you guys, I think to, to push that into, into uh, existence. Like I'm, I, I'm a little more reserved, I think. Bring that schedule back up, Blake. I want to point out something if you can, sorry. No, you're good. It's Michigan, new quarterback week two. Mississippi state transfer quarterback, new quarterback, new head coach, new system. Oklahoma, first-year starting quarterback, replaces the entire offensive line. Georgia will skip them. Vanderbilt will skip them for a different reason. Florida Graham Mertz returns. Offensive line, I don't know what it's looking like. They lost one of their two best running backs. ETN went to Georgia. Montrell Johnson's the leading returning rusher in the SEC. Arkansas, new quarterback. I mean, I, you, you know, Kentucky, new quarterback, new running back. A&M, really talented quarterback. We'll see if he's healthy at the end of the year and how that offensive line progresses. That is such a favorable schedule for Texas, though. I mean, it it really – you can't get a more favorable schedule in your first year in the SEC uh, than Texas has right there. With the talent – they don't Look, they don't play – I mean, they don't play Ole Miss. They don't play Alabama. They don't play Tennessee. Right. They don't play LSU. I mean, those, I mean, like, those we are probably four of the best six or seven teams in the league. We talked about this yesterday. Uh, Kentucky, you know, they have they have some guys back, right? I mean, their three D linemen coming back are good. Four L O L starters from the bowl game, right? They lost a QB running back, right? So they got to break in another transfer quarterback, running back transfers from Ohio State. Good player. Is he Davis? I don't know about that. Uh, but they have their top two receiver, two of their top three receivers back. That's actually where Kentucky's decent that people don't talk about. Barry and Brown's an NFL draft pick, first or second round guy next year. And Dane Key was actually their leading receiver. But Arkansas, five transfers on the offensive line, nine transfers on offense, seven on defense. That doesn't mean all one year transfers, uh, but quarterback, running back, new, transferred in, uh, both from Texas, by the way. Uh, the quarterback from Boise's from Louisville, and obviously JQ Jaquindon Jackson's from Duncanville, one-time Texas commitment. Uh, but it's such a favorable schedule, guys. If it's um, you know, if if Texas stays healthy, but Bobby, to your point though, you know, when's the last time Texas had a first-round pick at left tackle, an NFL draft pick at quarterback, a potential first-rounder at wide receiver, draft pick, two draft picks at tight end. Uh, DJ Campbell will be a draft pick. Cam Williams, I mean, in Austin, they think he could be a high draft pick. I mean. So it's uh, uh, and Zane Pace says you're looking overlooking how hard Arkansas and AM will be. Now, 
I think the game at A&M is going to be really difficult at the end of the year. I mean, that there's Super Bowl Sundays, and that's Super Bowl Sunday times 10 uh, <laughs> in College Station at the end of the year. Arkansas, I just don't – I don't know what Arkansas is going to look like. That's a tough one. Hey, I did want to bring this comment up real quick from Jacob Bartlow. He says, Boise State fan here, Arkansas's new quarterback is from Boise yeah. State. He can run, but unless something drastic changes over spring ball, he is not terribly accurate. So you look, 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 you only went and got him because KJ Jefferson transferred. Yeah. But I, hey, lots of people weighing in on the chat, guys. Head on over to ontexasfootball.com. As Bobby said, there's actually a, a thread pinned at the top of the message board there. If you click on community, uh, you'll see it right in there. And come weigh in with your opinion. Come discuss it with us so we can go a lot more in depth then we're able to with you guys, you know, over, over the channel here. So. Yeah, absolutely. One of the great things I get that, that those message boards allow for is for people to have a public record of consensus, if that makes sense. And so I'm trying to get a, a real gauge of where people are at on this. Right. I mean, is it nine? Am I just being pessimistic? I, I, I am naturally somewhat pessimistic at times. I get that. Um, but I'm also, I don't want to say realistic, but I just I have that uh, idea in my head of Texas being a seven and eight, maybe an eight win team for so long, whether it was under Tom Herman, Charlie Strong, late Mac Brown, et cetera, that it, it's uh, it's hard to knock that a little bit, to be honest. So um, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Uh, we'll see where it goes. Uh, the other thing I, that I wanted to talk about, guys, if you all had a chance today is running backs. I thought that would be a good conversation for us, Jerry. Um, we talk about the running back room as if it's going to be a strength in 2024, right? Would, do everybody kind of agree with that? But I it's do. Not a, it's not a strength in a typical way, Jerry or Blake. It is a strength because it's a running back by committee where each of these guys have something that they are particularly good at. They're not necessarily this well-rounded running back yet. C.J. Baxter may have the best chance at that um, because he's still growing, et cetera. But, you know, Jade Blue, as terrific as, as he is, he's not an inside runner, right? He's not going to be your short yardage guy on third down. If he is, you, you may have issues at running back, right? And so it's this amalgamation of people or guys at running back. And I tried to discuss this with folks today. And my, my – thought process is is there's three running backs returning really in uh not only Baxter in uh blue but also Trey Weisner who we saw a little bit of and then you have two young ones coming in and Jarrett Gibson and Christian Clark uh we don't know um what what this is going to all lead to one thing that that we have to keep in mind Jerry and Blake is that somehow some way Steve Sarkeesian manufactures a thousand yard running back every year I mean, they do, right? I mean, and so is is he going to continue that run this year with Baxter or Blue or what? How does that even work, yeah. right? And and that's I agree with folks that I think that the the running back room should be a uh, a plus for Texas this year. But how is my question? Like, what are how are, who's going to be the 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 lead bell cow, right? That when it's second and five, midway through the third quarter, and Texas is just trying to run the ball, who's going to be out there? 
you know, or, or is Sark not going to run, run it that way? And, and, you know, kind of, I, I don't know. I don't know what y'all think. Uh, I, I thought that was an interesting discussion though. Well, I, I think what's, I, I think what's really good about the running back room headed in the spring is um, I, I think Rod loves to obviously the two back, right? Yeah. I think Texas has some re- great versatility in the two back, whether that is Cedric Baxter blue, Cedric Baxter, Baxter Wisner next year. I think they got something in that two back. I think they got a mix of guys who have different strengths, uh, different speed, different power, um, different players. Uh, so I, I think they have something going there. What's going to be so interesting to me about, and I expect, I expect Cedric Baxter to take a big step next year. It's year two, right? Uh, I'm going to get into when we get a little deeper into this. The majority of the leading rushers in the SEC are gone out of the conference. We'll get into that in a second, which will be interesting. Uh, but I expect Cedric Baxter, it's it, it, it's a natural thing, right? Year one to year two, that guy's going to make a jump. How big a jump? We'll find out. He's got to have a little injury luck. I mean, he just had all those rough luck injuries last year. Just kept getting dinged up, was probably never healthy, but maybe two games. Um, but I, what I like is Baxter and Blue are both threats in the passing game. We haven't seen that out of Wisner, but I think he is. Uh, but then you have Christian Clark. If you look at his strengths, He's going to be the most violent cutter runner between the tackles on the Texas roster. Jarrett Gibson may be the most powerful runner between the tackles. And those guys are both freshmen. Obviously, they have to pick up the pass pro part of it, but Jarrett Gibson's well-prepared. I mean, he, he may as well have been playing small college football the last two years at IMG. Uh, so I, I think he's going to come in and he's going to have a pretty smooth transition uh, coming out of that IMG program. Christian Clark, maybe a little bit more of a transition coming from Arizona and pass pro. Uh, but look, they they all have different strengths. I think it's going to be so interesting, guys. Who's going to be the short yardage back? Who's going to be the red zone back? I, I, so I, I look at this as where does Texas need to improve the run game in the SEC? It's short yardage, and that's also OL. But if you have a running back that is a natural guy, as a short yardage red zone runner, that helps your offense and helps your offensive line. Those are two areas that if they get that solved from the running back position next year, I I, I think they're going to have a a tremendous year. And I'll say this before we go on. So eight of the top 10 leading rushers from the SEC last year gone to the NFL or transferred out. And Quinshawn Judkins obviously was the number two guy transferred out. A Schrader from Missouri Pro. Jaden Daniels was number three in the SEC in rushing, by the way. Um, the Ray, Davis, Ray Davis from Kentucky, gone. Wright from Tennessee, gone. Logan Diggs, who was 13th, transferred from LSU to Ole Miss. But uh, the top returning rusher in the SEC, Texas won't face. Jarquez Hunter at Auburn. So Montrell Johnson was right behind him at Florida. Uh, he was the ninth leading rusher in the SEC. Then Trevor Etienne was 11th leading rusher in the SEC at Florida transferred to Georgia. Um, so Texas will see those two guys, uh, Montreal Johnson at Florida and now ETN at Georgia. But the, the conference is wide open. There's some talented backs, but there's not a lot of production coming back in the conference. Hey, I want to add one thing with, that, that you said about uh, blocking. Uh, the one thing I can tell you about Christian Clark's Jerry, he is a willing blocker. Yeah, no doubt. He's extremely a willing. I'm 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 uh I'm very, very uh high on him as a blocker, even though he's not as big as Jarrett Gibson or Cedric Baxter. He's more in that Jaden Blue kind of 
frame, uh, a little bit shorter. But look, I, I think that I, I don't. My point here is that Steve Sarkeesian tends to have a bell cow back, right? That became Jonathan Brooks last year. And then Baxter and Blue ended up uh, absorbing those roles. Blue in particular, I thought, came on so strong at the end of the year that really everybody was like, you know, we this is a guy. My, my question is, how does Sark change his offensive style to fit the running back room more? Because he doesn't use a lot. Of, he and Rod even talks about it. He two back is the most successful, but they don't have. You, there's you're limited in what you can do out of two backs, right? There's only like seven, eight, nine, ten plays, so he can't run two back all the time and still be successful. So he's going to have more of those plays. But how do you still have a bell cow back and do what you're expected to do? I, I just don't know. I don't know the answer. And I'm, I, that's one of the more intriguing things for me uh, in this uh, in this upcoming season is how he's going to use those. I'm interested to see what he does in the spring spring game. Like what you're talking about, we're talking about Jarrett Gibson and Christian Clark, Jerry, and you're right. Um, the, you know, Gibson should be as good a short yardage guy as they have. Clark has excellent feet in the hole. How ready are they, though, right. you know, to really contribute day one? And we'll, we'll see. Yeah, hey, a lot of the chat is asking guys, Davion Red, what what type of role do you see him having next year, if if at all? I mean, that's one person that a lot of people are bringing up. Well, I mean, I didn't mention him, uh, and it was a it wasn't. It's because I see him more in this do it all type role. Like I could see him, he's going to stay at running back, but I could see him getting some run at receiver again. Matt, you just don't know what Sark's going to do with him. That that's my opinion. I I think uh, look, Savion Blue had a really good spring. His first Savion Red, you mean? Or, or Savion Red, Savion <laughs> Blue. Uh, Sav- yeah. That'd be a heck of a that'd be a heck of a player, by the way. That was uh, Savion Red. Uh, but you know, then he kind of got in the doghouse, right? Um, th- so it's a huge spring for him, and this is why I say it's a huge spring for him. Was Jarrett Gibson same body type? Um, is a guy who's going to come in hungry, right? Christian Clark, inside runner. Those are two guys with very similar skill sets to J- to Savion Red. So it's a big spring for Red to hold those guys off. Uh, because if not, then it doesn't look good for him uh, at Texas. So it's a, bi- it's a big spring for Red. The emergence of Blue has also kind of cut in the Red a little bit, what you thought Red could be as a pass catcher out of the backfield. But I think Red kind of put himself behind the eight ball uh, there in the offseason head in the season. So that really afforded opportunities for some others after he had, he had had such a strong uh, spring. I, I think the key the key is, you know, what it what made when you look at Clark, Bobby, to your point, and you look at Jarrett Gibson coming in, what ascended Cedric Baxter so quickly in the coaching staff's eyes is that he came in and pit, it was the best pass pro running back. Of all those guys headed into August, I mean, so he came in and mentally was ready to roll. Um, that's where it gets interesting. If, if, a, if a Christian Clark or Jarrett Gibson comes in and shows and the staff's like, okay, these guys, one of these guys, this guy's ready to roll mentally with the position. They can pick up everything. They pick up pass pro. They're very reliable. 
um, it's going to add to that backfield in a different way than what we're talking about with just skill set. Hey, guys, we got loads of questions uh, regarding this conversation with the running backs. But, Bobby, before we get into those questions, I'm going to let you tell folks out there about Factor. Yeah, Factor is a, a meal replacement plan. It's delicious, ready-to-eat meals, making eating better every day and making it easy for you. Um, I've got to be honest, uh, you eat better, you feel better. Uh, chicken uh, from Factor has been tremendous. They had some. Uh, uh, they had a little steak option uh, that I had the other day. But the thing about it is they're literally two-minute meals, and they are fresh, never frozen. So you fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. They also have snacks, smoothies, and more. There's a wide variety of easy options for the entire day. I use the I, I eat it at noon. Uh, it's essentially very easy. I don't have to go out and eat a bunch of uh, fast food or uh, get a, a bunch of uh, extra calories uh, as I'm trying to watch my weight these days, uh, sitting behind a desk so much. Uh, but Factor uh, has done a tremendous job. There's more than 35 different options a week to choose from, whether you're keto, calorie smart, uh, whatever you want to do, it's all there for the for the taking. Uh, Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options, but done easily. They're also great for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing six to 18 meals per week. So I choose, I'm on the six meal plan. Uh, plus you can pause or reschedule your delivers, deliveries at any time. No prep, no mess. Uh, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Head to factormeals.com forward slash Texas50 and use code Texas50 to get 50% off. That's Texas50 at factormeals.com forward slash Texas50 to get 50% off. Really do like this, uh, guys. It's one of the, uh, it's become a, a, a way of life for me a little bit. So uh, very happy to be promoting Factor. It's good stuff for sure. Hey, Jerry, yeah. Colton says, Savion Blue might contend with Adonai Worthy for the best player on the 2023 roster. No, no, no. Wait until you see this new left guard this spring, Kelvin Campbell. <laughs> I mean, he's a complete animal. He's got tackle length and feet, but with a nastiness at guard you've never seen. Kelvin Campbell, remember that name this spring, guys. <laughs> All right, well, as I said earlier, we do have lots of running back questions. And we're going to start with this super chat from Jeff Carey. Thank you, Jeff. He says, over under, Blue has 570-plus yard runs. In the SEC, that would be quite something. I'll take the under. Uh, I would, too. I mean, that's just that's just a, that's a big-time run. Now, I will say this. With as much as Sark likes to throw the ball, Jerry, I can see I can see him adding some to that. Right. But uh, that's that's a piece of it. And then this next question from Jesse Ullman, he says, will our running game be better, but less effective because of the SEC run defense? I think that's a great question. And I do think so. Bobby, I. Say, put put the question back up again. Oh, I knew you were going to say that because I just accidentally exited out. So I have to go back and find it. <laughs> Give me just a second. Will, here. The, will the rushing offense actually be better next year, but may not show because of SC? There you go. Absolutely. 100%. I, I think so. And I, I will say this as I was watching some Jonathan Brooks film uh, 
earlier uh, or yesterday, Brooks made a lot of people miss that I'm not sure anybody else makes miss in this category. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think so, guys, but I'm not sure. And and the reason I say that, Blake and 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 Jerry, is I I feel like Jonathan Brooks was overlooked a little bit. You know, I, I think he's underappreciated. And look, he's going to be. It's possible he's running back one in the NFL draft. Do you think Cedric Baxter or Jaden Blue will be running back one in the NFL draft if they if either were to go next year? I mean, Blue or Baxter can't. But right. my point being, I think Brooks was was overlooked a little bit and underappreciated and he is obviously the running backs a key part of the running game right i do think the offensive line is going to be better i don't know if the running game is going to be better so here's here's why i come out on that i think the the off the run game is going to be better because the offensive line is older and very experienced now and i'll say this cam williams will see how <clears throat> how much he ascends on the field but as in the run game, I think he's actually is going to be even better than Christian Jones, who had a really good year. So I think you look at it with Kelvin Banks in year three, DJ Campbell year two, uh, Hayden Connor's experience, Jake Major's very experienced. <clears throat> Does a Neto come on and change your run game? Um, this Cole Hudson. I mean, it, I think the depth; these guys are growing up. Um, I think it's big contract year for Kelvin Banks. Heck, it could be end up being a contract year for uh, Cam Williams, depending on how well he plays. I think this is going to be the best run-blocking offensive line Texas has had under Sark. Uh, does that mean they're going to have as much success now that they're going to be playing a bunch of NFL guys on the D-line, no matter how good those teams are? Everybody has a, a future NFL guy on the defensive line. To his point, I, I think that's interesting. But I, And I'll say this, I mean, you know, it, it, a lot of it's going to depend on how big a step Cedric Baxter takes. Because, I mean, look, Jonathan Brooks didn't hit the field much until junior year. So how much does the game slow down for you in terms of vision as you get older? I, Baxter told I, agree that. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not. Yeah. One of the things I wrote is a, a, a lack for, um, Cedric Baxter, when I was discussing the traits on the message board today uh, of the running backs, is I, I think Cedric Baxter needs more patience. One of the things that Jaden Blue actually does well on outside run is show a lot of patience, Jerry. Yeah. Cedric Baxter kind of gets a little uh, antsy when the whole, when he's not pressed. Um, and so I I agree with that. I mean, these guys can, can, can improve. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. And they will. I, I think that Cedric Baxter is going to break more tackles. Now, it'll be harder to break tackles in the SEC because they've got more NFL players on defense, but he will get stronger and break more tack tackles naturally, in my opinion, as he yep. moves forward. He just has that, he has that body build for it, you know? Okay, our next question here uh, is from Heoli Frioli93. He says, with the running backs in mind, who steps up more during spring than into the fall, Clark or Gibson? So I think Gibson comes in more ready because he's been at IMG. I mean, that guy grew up – hell, youth ball in Florida, man, is real competition now. So, okay, I mean, so, look, he comes in more ready. I mean, he's – I'm telling you, physically, if you haven't seen him, wait until you see him in person this spring. 
This dude looks like he's a 21. He looks like Blake Corum physically right now. And I'm not saying he's Blake Corum as a player. I'm just talking frame. That's what he looks like today when he showed up in Austin in, uh, in January. That's what he looked like at the Under Armour game. He looked like that physically. Christian Clark, I think, has a higher ceiling. Um, I think it, So I think Gibson makes the more immediate impact. Now, if Christian Clark comes out and makes some big impact, that says a lot for him moving forward. Because he's not supposed to be the guy that makes the big impact this spring. He's supposed to see August is when he makes the jump. After he gets he he missed part of his senior year with injury, um, you know, which was a knee, so it kind of slowed him down. He's in a college strength and conditioning program for the first time. When you're at IMG, you're already in a college level strength and conditioning program. Um, so this Gibson this spring. Clark in August is how this is supposed to happen. But if Clark is talked about a lot this spring, that says a lot for his future, in my opinion. Oh. Yeah, I mean, look, if anybody stands out in this running back room, like one of the things I was going over um, and looking in it, as it relates to everything that had to do with the running backs is all of them had, except for Savion Red, okay? And don't get me wrong, I, I like Savion Red. But they all had something that was potentially special about Jerry. And that's that's really where it's going is Sark wants guys that can do something as good or better than anyone. Okay, Jaden Blue is an outside runner and speed out of the backfield is as good as you are going to find. He just is. He's a great pass catcher, okay? And he hits the, he hits the hole well outside. Cedric Baxter, if he continues to grow, can be that inside runner, power guy, you know, inside zone guy, right, Jerry? If he gets yep. patient, yet still uses his, his his size, okay? Then you have Trey Wisner, who, frankly, I think he's as good a darter as I've seen. Yeah. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying he's perfect or going to be this, but he's just such a good darter. The, the one that, that, kind of, you know, my question is, who has got it all? And I don't think they have that guy. Maybe, maybe it's it's a Clark or a Gibson, but right now I think it's too early. Uh, maybe Wisner gets stronger and becomes that guy, but um, Baxter's the one that has the, the, the tool set, though Blue has the speed. So those two. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. All right, uh, this next one here is from Archmania. 
He says, out of all those running backs, can we please figure <laughs> out red zone scoring touchdowns? Amen. Pass the bread. <laughs> I think everybody wants that, man. Uh, uh, so I actually think the two best backs in short yardage for Texas are the two freshmen. It's could it, be. It, I, it, it's going to be how quickly does it show now? Because Christian Clark is going to be good in short yardage because he is such a violent cutter between the tackles. If somebody plugs gap, he can, he can cut back really quickly and get that yard, right? Two yards you need. Jarrett Gibson's going to hide, hide, and drop his little pads and run up the chest of a linebacker. That's what's going to happen with him uh, because he's going to be hard to find in that wall of large humans. Um, but I think Jarrett Gibson's a natural inside zone, inside runner that's going to create a little more contact power than people think because – as he play in the high school level, you play against guys similar height when you're five nine. At the college level, everybody's six two, six three. So those guys have to have low leverage to win against you. I think Jarrett Gibson, that's where those five, eight and a half, five, nine and a half running backs that have that natural power or and maximize their power, they they can be weapons because they they win the leverage runs consistently at, at, at like an SEC high uh power five level. If you're, if you're talking about that, that's where I think Clark and Savion Red. Savion Red's not here, – here's the thing. Like, Jaden Blue is not an inside runner. He's just not. That's not his strength. It never yeah. will be. Um, Savion Red can be. Yes. And be that smaller guy that can find the nooks and crannies to, to maximize yardage inside. I, I do believe that. Um, I just wonder, you know, is that enough? for Steve Sarkeesian. Is that going to be enough for him to get real carries? Uh, red zone offense is a just a totally different conversation because not only is it third and short or third and goal or second and goal from the one, et cetera, it's play action pass. It's what does the quarterback see that changes the play from the left side to the right side? Um, does the quarterback present any sort of running option? Because I, I do believe that's part of, Texas consternation in the red zone. A lot of teams that are successful in the red zone in college have a running quarterback, or at least have a quarterback that they don't mind running. Okay. So in absence of that, because Texas does not have that with Quinn Ewers. Yes, he can run, but you're not going to run him on purpose very often. He's not a running threat for lack of a better term. Right, Jerry. And so they have to figure that out. That's something Sark has to figure out. And I personally think it's Quinn Ewers coming up with a better fastball. I, I've, I've said that quicker decision making, better better fastball, that sort of thing is going to be huge for him this year. That's one of my my big points of contention or points of points to improve this year. Uh, we're going to do one more uh, running back comment, then we'll move on here. But Nate Rutt says we're going to laugh at this discussion in January. Our backs are going to eat. I hope they do. I hope they do. Well, they'll be okay. they'll be tested week two if both those Michigan defensive tackles stay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, they're going to be tested throughout the year. Yeah, we we've seen the difference that we'll see in the SEC is not on offense, other than the run game. The run games on offense will be as difficult or more difficult to defend on the interior than they have been for in the in the in the Big Twelve. Okay. 
they will be tested day or week in and week out uh, from the defensive perspective in the SEC. There are more defensive players in the SEC. They're going to play in the NFL than other leagues. No doubt. Full stop. And so your offense is going to be more physically tested. Not necessarily giving up fewer points, by the way. It doesn't mean they're better coached. Because I think the the Big 12 has been – had some tremendous coaches. But from a physical standpoint, that will be the test. Are they physically capable of standing up to it every every week? Because, look, I mean, we talked about linebackers the other day and the importance of those with Rod. The SEC has, what, five, seven, eight, nine, ten linebackers every year that go to the pros? I mean, they're yeah. good. And that's where that's where it is. Oh, yeah. I, I don't want you to bring it up, but somebody in the chat said Texas running back room is going to be best in the country. Nah, that's Ohio State next year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ohio State, it, uh, it's going to start with Ohio State and work down from there. Well, Ohio State may have one and two, RB one and two. That's right. In the country next year. Yeah. Keyshawn Judkins, everybody knows about him, but don't forget about Travion Anderson. Yeah. Um, they got, they got, our, they got the best one too in the country. No yeah. question. Yeah. Uh, we're going to switch gears here, guys. E. Kim says, good morning from Rockford, Illinois. What's going to be the next men's sport to win a national championship? Hmm. Tennis? Well, I always I, I always lean to things like golf or tennis. Tennis was my answer. Yeah, they're, they're top five in tennis right now. And John Fields has won a couple, I believe, right, at Texas? All it takes is a couple of guys. I don't know. You know what do you who do you think it's going to be? You're going to Come go. On. You're going to go football, Jerry. Come on, man. Come on, man. You win the last Big Twelve championship, and so it's obvious you're going to win the first twelve team playoff championship. <laughs> Somebody better get theirs this spring. Call him your shot right now, huh? Jerry. Jerry's just saying I've had enough of this. <laughs> Let's not pretend. Let's just go all oh, in. All right, Jerry. Here's something Georgia more up your alley for me. Who can't beat Georgia three times in a year? Come on. <laughs> all right, Jerry. Anyone wants to know. <laughs> Would Texas take Javar Thomas and Jonathan Cunningham? How many linebackers? You know, I think that number will be three or four at, at linebacker. Um, you know, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens there, right? I mean, Anthony Williams, similar player. To Cunningham and Thomas, so would they take three of the same guy? Probably not. Uh, could could I see him taking two of those long levered guys? Yes, but then there's Elijah Barnes and then there's Riley Pettijon. Uh, Both those guys very good. I think Texas is in a good spot for Barnes right now. I spoke with somebody close to Pettijon's recruitment um, yesterday, by the way. And uh, Texas, Florida State in December are the first two mentioned, with USC third and Auburn fourth. That's now changed a little bit. Uh, Texas, Florida State, USC, Ohio State, Georgia, A&M. And I think A&M with Jay Bateman has been moved up that list. Jay Bateman was recruiting um, Riley Pettijon for about a year when he was at the University of Florida. He had a good visit to A&M, so they're involved in there. They're going to make a push. Uh, but I think I think Texas is right there with Riley Pettijon. I think they're in a good spot for Elijah Barnes. So I could see that number being four if it falls the right way. Hey, and by the way, speak, speaking of AM, we need to bring up Tiger Ryden and his commitment to AM. Uh, mm-hmm. The DeSoto running back, one of the guys that Texas had offered, but had not prioritized. Yeah, they hadn't pushed it for him. Yeah. yeah. Um, committed to AM yesterday. He, 
as a sophomore, he had a whale of a, a, a state championship game. Uh, it looks like Texas is prioritizing Ricky Stewart over in him. State. Yep. In state. Uh, then Jordan Davis, uh, Davison out of Santa Ana Modern Day. Akeelan Deer out of Mississippi. The other guys, Texas right now looking at. But AM, and uh, look, that's they want to be that team. They're, they're going to – I think it's interesting what they're trying. They're trying to – you mentioned Riley Pettijan and going in that direction, right, Jerry, and trying to prioritize. They're trying to pick one or two. They're trying to pick their battles, in my opinion, in recruiting and try to pick the one right one and then go after those because th they're hitting from behind a little bit right now. Well, so I think I think you're seeing AM under Elko do the exact thing Sarkeesian did when he got the Texas. They're going to prioritize DFW in this first class. Um, somebody asked, Vivek asked, Ricky Stewart versus Ryan. I'll tell you this. I'm going to tell you this from my trip to East Texas. Two high school coaches that played against Ricky Stewart said, you knew he was good, but on tape, even though they played him prior, but he was faster in person than they gave him credit for. Something to remember with Ricky Stewart. That's high school coaches that played against this guy said he was different getting to the second level than what we thought he was. Um, so I think Ricky Stewart's a guy that has a lot of speed that may be a little deceptive on tape. But if you watch him on tape, he's playing against good talent in that East Texas district and those people they play against. He's not playing against slow football players. But that, to have two high school coaches say the exact same thing about Ricky Stewart – those things kind of stick with you. All right, our next question, guys, is going to be from Kevin Randolph, and he says, are there any early returns on Kenny Baker on the recruiting trail? Yeah, you know, he had a conversation with Brandon Brown. I posted that on On Texas Football. He talked with Brandon Brown out of O'Galley. Um, you know, Zion Williams enjoyed his first conversation with Kenny Baker. Look, these are opening, you know, this is our opening pitch, let's call it, right? Um, then you got to get to the second, third, fourth, fifth inning and whatnot. Uh, so I, I think these visits, because the one thing about it, none of these guys have spent a lot of time around Kenny Baker. And what that means is they haven't been like when you go on a visit. So let's say when Zion Williams goes on an unofficial visit to Texas in the spring, one of the things he's going to do if it's around the spring practice, he's going to sit in the meeting room and watch Kenny Baker with his guys, with the Texas defensive linemen. Those are that's so important for this coach player recruit relationship because, and then you get into okay, if this D line prospects at the school at visiting, he's going to ask those guys, Hey, what do you think of Coach Baker? You know, how's he different than Coach Bo? You know, what have you learned about him? You know, this is kind of what I taught saw on him the first time I talked to him when he came to my high school. Then you get in the real relationship part of this business um, coming up. So these visits this spring is, are, are going to be so big for Kenny Baker. He's going to get those guys in his room. They're going to get to watch him coach. They're going to get to watch him teach his guys on the board or in the film room. And then those those prospects at Texas after are going to get the chance to ask current Texas defensive linemen, hey, what do you think of Coach Baker? You know, it, it, this is kind of what he said, told me when he visited my school, is this kind of what, what's happened for you on the field? Those are the questions that are asked. But I think the early returns from the initial conversations are strong. And then our next question is going to be from Jason. And he wants to know, has Texas made any progress with Duncanville receiver DeCorian Moore? Uh, here's the one thing I'll say about DeCorian Moore. And this came from a high school coach. Um, not at Duncanville or in the DFW area. Um, that when Texas was out making their rounds, 
Steve Sarkees was out making his rounds. He flat out told this high school head coach, uh, the kid in Duncanville, recruiting th- we're recruiting him until the ink is dry. So we call that recruit through the whistle. Um, so I think Texas is, as, is maintaining good contact there. Um, but I think this one will take a little while to play out, but Texas is in it to win it. And they should be because DeCorian Moore is the best receiver in the country as a prospect, and he may have been last year, honestly. He's really talented. Him and Ryan, yeah, Williams, Ryan Williams, right? Really, really talented guys. Uh, let's talk about a different wide receiver here. Wyatt says, do you have any updates on DeAndre Moore's progress? I thought he would be primed to take over Jay Wood's spot until the transfers came in. You know that that he is one of the guys that we want to see this 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 spring. Um, we've heard good things behind the scenes, and you know he was coming on late during winter workouts as well as late in the season. I mean, yeah. he was actually trying to 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 move in a little bit there. You know the que- the question you have is where how do you compare a guy that's going to be a true sophomore and DeAndre Moore to guys that have fifty four catches in college football? I don't know. The, the only way we can do is it is to watch them and how see how it transpires this spring and into the into the summer. I, th- I think that Sark has done a a really good job in loading up that room such that it ain't easy, if that makes sense, to, to kind of decipher exactly what's happening. Because if you have a bunch of good players, well, the cream's gonna rise to the top. Do we don't know yet if that's DeAndre Moore? Do we? I mean, we we don't. And that's a good thing, in my opinion. Now, some people may be looking for definitive answers, but I, I don't know that that's going to happen. I think it's huge spring for uh, Moore and Niblet with Silas Bolden not yeah. being in Austin. It, it's going to create opportunity and reps for those guys. Um, and somebody's going to jump up and take hold of that because Silas Bolden is coming with a chip on his shoulder in June. I'd say that. Hey, by the way, I've had a question about. Uh, Bell and Coriel counties, which I thought was awesome. Um, that Bell County area, that Colleen area, look, uh, Harker Heights, um, you know, Shoemaker, they definitely have some talent. Uh, maybe not anybody that on the Texas offer radar necessarily right now, uh, but uh, there's a tight end at, at Shoemaker, I believe, that has a chance to be a power five guy. There, there was a defensive back last year at Shoemaker that went to Texas Tech, that I think has a chance. Um, a safety, they'll play him at safety. But oh yeah, th- there's talent in that area. Obviously, Jaden Chapman two years ago from Harker Heights, uh, Texas really likes his upside on the offensive line. They well, passed on, on, on Michael Uni at Cop Cove last year, Jerry. They did. Yeah, they did. Well, while you're answering those type of questions, Zachary Delgado wants to know: Do you have any players to watch for from the Weatherford Brock Mineral Wells area? You know. <laughs> That's an interesting question. Uh, Mineral Wells always brings back a, a, a story that Bobby and I can go on. Was um, Oh, God, what was the kid's name? He's in the NFL. Adrian Colbert. Adrian Colbert. Adrian Colbert. There you go. It was a Baylor commitment. And, uh, you know, I think Bobby and I may have watched this tape at the same time and said, man, this guy's really, really good. So this is what you do in the business. I got in the car and went to Mineral Wells. Uh, only time I've been to Mineral Wells High School for a game, as it turns out, to see Adrian Colbert. And he looked every bit of what you thought on tape. Uh, and then uh, Texas ended up flipping him from Baylor. Um, and then he transferred to Miami, ends up in the NFL. Really, really talented guy. Um, I, I need to check on Weatherford. Weatherford has a couple of sne- sleepers every now and again that end up being really good players. 
Um, I think they had a, a linebacker safety kid that signed with Baylor a couple of years ago. I need to look at some of their younger kids. Yeah, It's hard to keep those guys from Alito these days. Colbert, Colbert played safety at Texas, and he was never a safety. He, he was a boundary corner and could run like the wind. So imagine if they would have played him in a Ryan Watts-like role these days, Adrian Colbert would have been a potential all-conference guy for Texas because unlike Ryan, Colbert could really run. He wasn't a turn-and-run guy or a visual guy, but he literally was physical as all get out and could run. Uh, if he would have been a corner at Texas, but Texas didn't need corners at that time, they were looking for safeties. So that that that's part of the reason why Adrian Colbert ended up transferring. All right. This next question here is going to come from, if I can find it here, AJJ Sports. And he says, what position group will have the biggest adjustment with now heading to the SEC? Edge players. Because they're edge players and interior defensive alignment. It's both of them uh, because you just didn't play enough high enough, high enough level offensive linemen in the Big 12. So it's going to be bigger human beings with longer arms and quicker feet is what you're going to play. You and I are on the same thing. It's line of scrimmage. Yeah. It, it's it's both sides. It's a guard, center guard, first of all, on offense, right? Interior, exterior on edge. At, at edge, it's going to be about run, run defense. It's not so much getting to the pass. They're yep. going to come at you with two tight ends that are two – some of them are there 260, right? Um, I also think linebacker and, and taking on the run is going to be a big deal. So anywhere on the line of scrimmage, essentially, or run fits. Those are the those are the things that are different. And I'll say this, NFL Combine, when you watch the Combine this year, 23 DBs from the SEC in the Combine. That's an amazing number. Uh, that's just an amazing number. You're going to face higher-end higher athletes in the back end as well. It's one and a half to two per school. Yeah. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. And in, in that case, Texas comes up – does Texas come up short? Texas didn't have that many. No. Hey, Bobby, it's about time for you to tell everybody out there about Texas electricity ratings. Yeah, hey, guys, for anyone shopping for electricity in the deregulated areas of Texas, TexasElectricityRatings.com is the best place to find a great electricity plan in your, for your household. For starters, it filters out the dangerous and gimmicky plans from providers that are all hat and no cattle when it comes to your monthly bill. You can shop by rate, but also by an average bill feature that actually takes into account seasonal usage to give you a real number and not just some placeholder. So if you're looking for a new electricity plan, check out TexasElectricityRatings.com forward slash OTF for the best options available. Hook them. That's TexasElectricityRatings.com forward slash OTF. Right, we got time for just a couple of more questions, and we'll start with Vivek B. He says, do you think Texas will do better in in-state recruiting this year? Uh, you know, I think it's going to be about the same, you know, three, four top 10 type of kids in, in a class. Um, that's just not where all the eggs are in the basket anymore. It's not do or die recruiting in the state of Texas when you're a national recruiting program. Uh, you know, I, and I've said this before, it, it, when, when 
Mark Rick was was let go at Georgia and Kirby came in. I think Georgia fans just thought, oh, we're just going to dominate the state of recruiting in, in, in Georgia. They signed three or four top ten guys a year. They may get five this year in that class. They signed three or four a year, too. It's like people have moved into the state. Um, you're not going to take every kid in state if you're recruiting nationally. I mean, you know, you pass on Ruben Owens, you think there's somebody better at running back, a better fit for you, right? Um, you just think about this. The year Arch Manning comes to Texas, Jackson Arnold was the number one ranked quarterback in Texas. Well, he's out. So even though he's ranked in the top 10, that's not really one that counts as far as how many guys are recruiting in the top 10. I just think with Texas being a national recruiting program now, people that just get wrapped up in how many in-state guys you sign and, and how many of those guys are ranked where, I don't think Sark looks at it the same guys. All right, that's good. I'll go ahead. I, I, I want to say, wait, I want to say something. I agree with Jerry 110%. The, differ, the difference between, and I'll give you this. So LSU signed nine of the top 10 players from the state of Louisiana. Okay. But they were all skill players and linemen. Right. Texas doesn't have that. And not, and people aren't moving to the state of Louisiana. Right. To Jerry's point. Right. Georgia is a heavy move-in state right now. Atlanta is just growing like a weed. Yeah, Texas growing like a weed. Heavy move-in state. So the places like a, a Louisiana or even a Mississippi that aren't gaining new people as heavily as the other places, that's where you'll see more guys sit and stay home because they have deeper ties. All right, this will be the last question for today from Zane Petty. He says, how many picks will we have in the first through fourth round in the NFL draft this year, and who will those players be? First through fourth, um, you're going to have JT Sanders, uh, Murphy, and I'm not saying in any order, Byron Murphy, sweat at D-tackle, JT Sanders, Mitchell, uh, Xavier Worthy. You're sitting at five right now. Who do you add in to Jonathan Brooks? Potentially, you could have six guys taken in the first four rounds outside shot seven. Bobby, what you got? Sanders, Murphy, Sweat, Mitchell, Worthy. And I, I'm going to say Brooks goes higher than somebody in that group, actually. I, I was the reason why I, I took some time. I, I told you in, earlier in this conversation, I took some time to watch Jonathan Brooks because I was I was reading the running back rankings on the NFL draft uh, stuff, Jerry and Blake. And what I came back to is that, okay, let's go watch. And they had, there was a compilation of like 25 runs that Jonathan Brooks had this year that were uh, what I would call choice runs, not after Tashar choice, but inside outside kind of pick your poison runs, whether it was inside zone that he released outside. He just makes people miss on that first glance, which is so key in the NFL. In, in, in the NFL, it's not about these long runs, right, Jerry? No. It's about maximizing three to five-yard runs. It's about, you know, and so I I would, even with the ACL, I I, I think that, that Brooks will go, I, I, I hope he does, because I think he, he, he was certainly headed that direction until the injury. That's that's my that's my take. 
the wild card to go in the fourth round will be a Christian Jones. Did he move up? up. Ball is he gonna? Are the workouts gonna be there for him? He's the wild card. He definitely seemed to improve his stock over the the senior games. And to your point, Bobby, Jonathan Brooks, I've seen taken in the second round in some mock drafts, like going to the Cowboys even. I know. Uh, So it'll be interesting. It definitely, in my opinion, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. Hey, on Jones, I'll go back to what I was told by an NFL scout. They wanted to find out at the Senior Bowl if he could be a starter for them at – a starter for them at guard. Guard. Yeah. Not tackle, but can he be a starter for us at guard? And the scout came back and said that was the question everybody was supposed to answer, and the answer is yes. That being the case, starting guards don't necessarily go in the top four rounds all the time. They they may try to take a fifth, sixth rounder on him. So that's that's my thought. Real fast, Ford, where do you think he goes? Depends on how he tests. If he has a good testing day, he'll move up. Uh, his his, his, his 40s actually going to matter, even though it shouldn't. The 10-yard split in the 40, the 5-10-5, the L cone, those things are going to be huge for him. I think he checks every other box. I think people are going to wait to see how he tests. There you go. All He's right. going to get drafted. It, the testing will determine where, yeah. in my opinion, on him. Well, Bobby, tell folks what they can expect later today right here on On Texas Football and, of course, over on OnTexasFootball.com. Hey, I'm going to let Jerry talk about what's coming up on the recruiting breakdown. He and CJ are getting together today. Yeah, we're getting together to get today. Uh, CJ's on the road at a high school right now. I'm about to hit the road and go. Uh, watch a Texas target and athletic period workout. So we're going to get back together about one today and tape recruiting breakdown. So we'll talk about kind of where we've been, uh, what's coming up. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about some visits that are now coming up in April. Players that have told us they're coming in in April uh, for spring practices, spring game, what so, uh, what have you. Those visit, those visit lists are starting to expand, as you would think, even though we're still a couple of weeks away from March. Uh, those those lists are really going to expand here when we start March with the visits. Uh, so we'll get into some of that. Uh, talk about the new offer, Cade Phillips. Um, I have some more information, new information on that after talking to somebody close to that recruitment yesterday. So we'll talk about all that here on the recruiting breakdown today. Hey, I also want to I want to plug this for OnTexasFootball.com. Please try to go to the What Constitutes Success for Texas thread. That specific thread on texasfootball.com and give us your thoughts. I'm trying to get, I want to hear what people really think. What constitutes success for, for Texas? We'll talk a little, about, a little bit about that tomorrow, but I, I need a, I want to try to get people's real opinions on that. If you don't mind, go to ontexasfootball.com for that. What constitutes success for Texas? And you can find that under the community page or the tab on ontexasfootball.com. Well, we want to thank Texas Electricity Ratings along with Factor for sponsoring today's show. Thank you all for tuning in for the Super Chats, all the great questions. And then, as Bobby said, head on over there and join in on the discussion. And we can go a lot more in-depth over there than we can uh, on the video with you guys. So join us there anytime of day, 24-7. Like, we we may not have the read, but we still have the product, baby. It's here. (laughs) Hey, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, there, exactly. <laughs> there you go. I got my bird dog shorts on and my 5.0, baby. Let's go. 
man. So on that note, we're definitely out of here. For Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Welcome. <laughs> With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.